1: what do we watch well kevin we just watched two episodes of dragnet
0: and of course by that you mean we watched uh color episodes from the uh, late 60s not the original black and white version nor did we watch some bizarre video version of the original radio series nor did we watch the uh, new dragnet revival nor did we watch the uh, 1950s dragnet film Nor did we watch the Dragnet pilot film from the 60s, nor did we watch the 1987 Dan Aykroyd, Tom Hanks, Dabney Coleman, Abomination Dragnet.
1: Are you quite finished?
0: (laughs) I know you love the show.
1: God, Kevin, you could be such a drag. (laughs) So we watched... The first one we watched was the LSD. We
0: watched two episodes. Yeah.
1: The, we watched the LSD story, or rather the the big LSD. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> when I look up on Wikipedia, it says the LSD story.
0: <laughs> but on the DVD. But on the
1: DVD, it <laughs> said big LSD. And it aired on January 12th, 1967. But this episode is known to more casual viewers as the different name. Blue boy. Blue boy. <laughs> For good reason.
0: Do <laughs> you want to, this was the first time, I'm an old hand at this stuff, I've seen this episode many a time, going back literally even before you were born. Okay. Do you want to tell us a little bit about this episode?
1: Uh, this ep- In this episode, uh, Friday and Ganon confront the scourge of LSD and acid And that comes in the form of a young man known as Blue Boy. He is a travel agent, a.k.a. LSD dealer, uh, at 18 and is running around. See, now
0: I know what my aunt was really doing. When she said she was a travel agent, that's how she made her living. She's getting
1: people high.
0: (laughs) Taking them on trips, if you will.
1: She's letting them hear colors and taste sounds. Well, that's what this kid's doing. Uh, he's he's got his fa- face painted like a Braveheart for some reason, and is running around saying crazy '60s things like, "I'm far out, man. I'm a train. I'm a train. I'm on a train. I'm a chair."
0: <laughs> I thought it was interesting. That he had a coat very much like the coat you wear, with a message on the back that says, "Down with fuzz," just like you.
1: Yeah, my. F- <laughs> it was like his Melania Trump jacket. <laughs>
0: Yeah, at this stage, Jack Webb was less interested in telling compelling stories and in doing, like, thinly dramatized public service announcements. And this was supposed to educate all of his middle-aged viewers about LSD. And gosh, it isn't currently illegal, but maybe it should be, and here's
1: why. It was very much like you got a feeling like he encountered someone high in LSD at a party and was like, you know what, I'm going to really stick it to them. <laughs> they shouldn't be doing that shit. <laughs> He got, he got he got out his little notebook and was writing it down furiously. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because you know he definitely definitely thinks that this should be illegal. But part of the problem is the cops can't do anything about it at first because it uh, the substance uh, wasn't illegal at that point.
0: And you would love it. You would love it if fate gave you the ability to do a TV episode about the little annoyances in your life. What would that look like? What would those stories look like? Well, I mean,
1: right now, with springtime coming to Indianapolis, it would probably look something like there'd be a big uh, sentient dandelion walking around spreading its seed everywhere, and I'd be trying to bust it. Stop it!
0: Literally several times a day, I'll suddenly hear shouting and cursing. And I'll look, and you'll be outside pulling up random dandelions. And so- you're not even on LSD. This is just you as yeah. is, straight, unfiltered.
1: This <laughs> is how I am. So my brain is wired. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, with, with Indiana, too, probably, probably, there'd be a lot about how this, this, stupid city decided to do so many construction projects on its major highways at the same exact time. I don't know how I could work that into a crime show though.
0: So you're against dandelions and government services.
1: Government services rendered in an incompetent fashion in a way that inconveniences everyone in a state that's already too reliant on roadways.
0: And dandelions and you're also forgetting to mention your feelings about geese.
1: I don't, I don't hate the geese. The geese would be people I was trying to mentor. I'd be like trying to be like, okay, geese you can't come in our yard because we've got a vicious pit bull. But, you know, do your own thing and maybe sometimes we'll throw you some bread in the water. (laughs) That would be a more nuanced take. (laughs) That would be like the next episode we're going to
0: talk about, but. That's the title of your inspirational memoir, Bread in the Water. Bread in the
1: Water. What would your complaints be? It would all just be about thinly... i pretty easy going. It would be all... Th- all the villains would be thinly veiled versions of me, I think. Well, yeah. Yeah. Like, this vicious cat burglar is... Uh, <laughs> it's causing the cops so much trouble. People need to know. And she's taunting me specifically about my inadequacies.
0: <laughs> People need to know. That needs to
1: stop happening. <laughs> So basically, you
0: would love to be Jack Webb.
1: No, I wouldn't. And, and put all your little petty grievances I don't wanna, on TV. I, no, I'd, I'd probably get canceled immediately. I, I don't. I don't want to be exposed like that. If I could do it anonymously, sure, sure. But if I had to put my like produced by <laughs> executive produced by Anya Kane, I wouldn't want to look that unhinged. I give this guy a lot of credit for being willing to look completely unhinged on TV. He's just like, you know what? I'm going to fucking hate these hippies. I'm going to write a whole script about it. You know, good for him. I couldn't do that. I would be too embarrassed. I'd really try. I, I'd probably end up having some real milk toast episodes because I'd be trying to be like, well, maybe maybe, maybe some of the dandelions aren't that bad. You know, like I, I would be like, I'd be trying to have it both ways.
0: He's also not worried. It doesn't occur to him. You know, maybe low production values will make me look bad. <laughs> no. That's not a concern. Most of these episodes take place in tiny rooms that look identical. And whenever they're outside, it's generally pretty obvious that le- it's generally pretty obvious they're in front of a blue screen. Yes. Plus, for budgetary and production reasons, they would they would do episodes several episodes at once or out of order. And so they always wear the same suits.
1: It almost gives it its own weird style in a way. Because it's like other shows try to act like, oh, no, no, we're here. They just don't give a shit. They're like, no, we're we're in this weird purgatory that seems like Los Angeles. But everywhere you look, it, you just look like you're indoors in a, in an office building with a bunch of rooms done up differently.
0: Yeah, it's it's a bad show. But don't get me wrong. I love it.
1: It's not a. It's not a bad show. It's, I, I it's, own. It's a weird show.
0: All the DVDs, I've seen every episode of this program multiple times, even the one with the dog. How can dog. you say
1: it's a bad show? It's like very compelling.
0: It's a very compelling show.
1: It's an odd show. It's a. It's an oddball show written by a rather odd person, frankly.
0: Now you. You keep on. I thought you were speaking metaphorically. You know, Jack Webb did not literally write the scripts.
1: I know, but like he's helming it.
0: He directed them.
1: Yeah. And, like, I mean, don't we think he probably, like, don't we think the scripts probably reflected a lot of his worldview?
0: Certainly, but he didn't actually write them.
1: I know, but I'm sure he had input in the writing. You wouldn't say
0: that Edward Stratemeyer wrote the Nancy Drew books.
1: No, but I would say that the Nancy Drew books reflected his... Stop fucking semantics lecturing me!
0: (laughs) I'll do what I please! Jesus
1: Christ! He... These reflect a point of view... Of Jack Webb, and you know that's that's very that's very obvious. That's why you're obsessed with these.
0: And also, they're all based on real cases.
1: No, they're not.
0: Sometimes they're loosely based on real cases. Yeah,
1: sometimes. Some- but they're
0: all based on real cases. Uh, this is how uh, Gene Roddenberry, who later went on to create Star Trek, this is how he broke into TV. They would, they would encourage police officers in the Los Angeles area, oh, if you, if you come across something unusual or unique, you know, write a paragraph or two about it and send it into Dragnet, and maybe it'll become a, uh, one of our episodes. So they're all based on real cases.
1: Blue boy.
0: I haven't researched that one, but I do know a little bit about the real case behind the second episode we watched.
1: Was that something you did? <laughs> Nobody knows what you're talking about at this point. I know, but they will. <laughs> They'll learn. <laughs> so they, yeah, they, they're going around, and, and this kid is a, a blue boy. is a Is a nightmare.
0: And his liberal, out-of-touch parents are too blind to see it. Uh...
1: <laughs> He's a punk. He's a punk. He tries to get a light from Joe Friday at the end and walks off and is all cocky about it.
0: Because the justice system just gives him a slap on the wrist.
1: And you're like, this kid's going to either end up in trouble or dead by the end of the episode. In
0: the gutter or the grave. Yes. That's what she said.
1: Yeah, that's what I always say when I see you.
0: (laughs) Wasn't that a classic line that someone said to Disraeli, the British Prime Minister, I predict you will either end up in the gutter or the grave. And Disraeli says, well, that will depend on whether I embrace your principles or your mistress. It's a pretty good line. (laughs)
1: You know, that one written down, ready to go.
0: (laughs) What's your favorite Disraeli zinger?
1: I mean, I guess that's kind of the plot. Uh, It all comes to, you know, basically this blue boy kid is like the the kingpin of LSD in the area, a.k.a. uh, the tick, the ghost, the beast, the chief, the hawk. 25, all the slangs. And they end up going to some... What literally, like, what truly looks like something out of Twin Peaks, looks like a, like a David Lynch film where everything's like lit weird, and all these people are just standing in corners of this. They go. They go to a drug party, an acid and, party, and and like just gesturing wildly or pretending to eat paint or like trying to climb the walls. Have you ever been at a party where people were on LSD?
0: Who am I, blue boy?
1: I'm not seeing your blue boy.
0: I've never been at a party where I've had knowledge of anyone using LSD. Same. Have you? No.
1: See, I read I read S.E. Hinton's follow-up to The Outsiders, also known as, that was then, this is now. And uh, so that made me never want to do LSD because one kid takes LSD and then thinks that he, he's getting eaten by spiders. And I was like, um, no.
0: Was that like Horseman? Pony Boy what was no, it? name?
1: Pony Boy <sighs> No. Pony Boy makes I think one of, so, some some characters from the first one make some small appearances but it's it's about a new group of characters.
0: So I never understood was the comic book Batman and the Outsiders tied into the SE Hinton novel?
1: Was Batman teaming up with a bunch of rough and tumble but ultimately lovable uh, you know Rowdy kids who who are greasers and from the the bad side of town.
0: Uh he teamed up with Geo Force, Halo, Black Lightning, and your favorite Metamorpho.
1: Did they get into a rumble with the rich kids in town?
0: <laughs> uh they got into a lot of fights. Like every issue there'd be a okay, fight scene. So
1: maybe. Yeah. Jury's out. Yeah. Stay gold, Batman. <laughs> i don't know uh but yeah that made me never want to do lsd so you know
0: so if not for se hinton
1: i might have done lsd yeah
0: so there but for the grace of se
1: hinton thank you se hinton that would have been pretty i think i would have really damaged my brain on that you know i would just i'm so anxious i would have thought about the worst thing and i probably would have gotten eaten by spiders
0: that's the sort of thing that makes you wake up at night screaming. Yes, literally.
1: God, got nightmares about that shit. I mean, if I can't even sleep without having a bad dream that wakes me up and freaks me out, I mean, I don't think anyone wants to see me on LSD. That would that would end in a trip to the ER for ev- for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to imagine you on LSD either. <laughs> don't think I'd be a gentleman. It would either have no effect on you at all, or you would just be completely unmanageable. Yeah, I have
0: some health conditions. So at one point a few years ago, I went to Canada uh, because I was told that it was possible that marijuana, which is legal in Canada, could help alleviate some of my discomfort. And so I went to one of the marijuana stores, which are actually very much like Apple stores. They're all at least the ones I went to. Everything was pitch white (laughs) and, uh, very, uh, professional, sophisticated people came over to answer your drug related questions. And I, I said, I don't want to smoke anything. Give me some capsules, the biggest dose of marijuana you got. And so I got, uh, a big, a big bottle. Uh, very strong marijuana capsules. And I go back to the hotel and I take one. And in like half hour, 45 minutes later, hour later, nothing. I literally, not. it doesn't help my pain. It also doesn't make me get high. I'm just the same lovable scamp I always <laughs> do. So I say, well, maybe it's just I need a higher dose. So I take, this time I take, Two. I take two and nothing happens. And a, a little bit later on, I take three. So that first night, I think I, t- I took like six. Wow. Literally nothing happened. And so I, I tell myself, well, I must have gotten the proverbial bad batch. And uh, later on, I give one of the uh, marijuana capsules in that bottle to uh, someone else. And they immediately were like seeing wild colors and falling through the walls <laughs> and shit. And so, for whatever reason, the marijuana had no impact on me. So perhaps LSD would have no impact on me.
1: Yeah, but I I think it, it, it's a possibility. Who knows? Because i don't I don't know what mechanism in your brain would make mar- you you know not react to marijuana. So maybe maybe you'd also. But if on the chance, on the off chance that you did react to LSD, I think you would be completely insane and would like end up naked on the roof or something. (laughs) And it would be all production to get you down. (laughs) Be babbling. It would be pretty funny.
0: (laughs) You'd enjoy that. You'd love to have me naked on the roof, yeah.
1: <laughs> My secret fetish.
0: <laughs> and have me hauled away.
1: No, no. I'd, I'd I, you it, down. If I you if, if I'm naked on the roof, there's going to be legal consequences. I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd get you on the side facing our backyard. <laughs> I'd throw some candy up there. <laughs> you'd be, you'd be crawling after it.
0: There would be legal consequences.
1: <laughs> this is Indiana, baby. Everything's legal. People are just running around with guns. <laughs> just doing all sorts of shit. <sighs> so, yeah. So that was Blue Boy. It was insane. Uh, definitely definitely pretty funny. Some of the dialogue where they're talking about drugs is just laugh out loud funny. So I, I definitely... uh Oh, um. Also, Blue Boy dies. <laughs> forgot forgot, warning. forgot that. Yeah, Blue Boy. They show up and he's overdosed on uh, on uh, uh, LSD and barbiturates, and uh, they're like, and I guess what? That's why they call it the blues. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. And then we were kind of like, well, watching just one episode, like one kind of. Pretty thin episode of DragNet. Are we gonna even have enough to talk about for an episode of Mystery to me? So then we were like, no, and we were right because it's we're twenty minutes in now. Yeah, this this episode definitely though reflects like Friday's like love of breaking up a party. You know, he just was like savoring this. Like, yeah, we're gonna get those fucking acid freaks.
0: So, what was the second episode we watched?
1: The second episode we watched was. Uh, from from Dragnet 1967, was Burglary DR-31, and this aired on March 6, 1969. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Vilo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month.
0: So what happened was that uh, the Batman TV show was pretty popular. And so at some point, some fan of the character broke into some archives at 20th Century Fox and uh, stole some photos and stuff from the archives. And from that... They made this episode. So it's, it's something, it is based on something that really happened. But it's very loosely based.
1: Kevin would know. Because that little boy's name was Kevin Greenlee. <laughs> I, I wasn't
0: born in the 60s. I know!
1: I was just kidding. Yeah, you want to... Kevin recommended that we watch this one. They go into this weird history lesson about Hollywood at the beginning. The
0: start of each episode of Dragnet... Uh, I, is Joe Friday talking about Los Angeles. But
1: the real start is when Gannon starts overacting about something, in this case, his neck pain, and going on a whole long harangue at Friday, the consummate bachelor uh, about, you know, you got to marry a girl. She's got to be a good cook. And, you know, my wife always leaves the window open. I can't stand it. If two people get married and they don't like the same TV shows, it's doomed. So he's giving some good advice there. (laughs) Oh, he's always obsessed with Friday. Friday's uh, love he, life.
0: He wants Friday to get laid.
1: He wants Friday to get laid, and then Friday evening. Don't even... you
0: think if you worked with somebody as uptight as Joe Friday, you'd be doing everything you could to get him laid? No, so because I'm not That's
1: his business. He's so uptight. Oh, like you're some party boy. <laughs> I
0: won you, didn't
1: I? <laughs> By being uptight. No. Uh, with... With It's weird, though, because then Friday even asks him, are you going to give me the sex talk? He doesn't say it like that, but he says, are you going to tell me about the birds and the bees? And it's like, what is the nature of these the, the, the relationship between these two men? Ganon's older. Friday outranks him and their partners, and Ganon is obsessed with setting Friday up with a chick he can bang. Yeah, It's a very odd dynamic, one that I haven't seen the likes of since.
0: And Friday is very unhappy or annoyed with Gannon for trying to get him laid. And I think most guys, I appreciate any help they can get.
1: Well, maybe he's asexual or something. You got to respect his choices instead of trying to act like it's some good old boy thing of like, yeah, you know, you should be pursuing chicks like the rest of us. If he doesn't want to, leave him alone. So you think he's asexual? I'm just saying I don't think it's any of Gannon's business. If Friday was going to him and saying, I'd like to hook up with some more chicks. Do you have any advice, Mr. Gannon? <laughs> then then that would be one thing. But it's always Gannon foicing it upon his partner. Yeah, I, I think
0: Gannon is a pretty sharp cookie.
1: <laughs> See, what we're doing here is I'm becoming Friday. Yes. And you're becoming Gannon because that's our dynamic.
0: <laughs> you're stern and humorless. I just want everybody to be happy and have a little bit of fun. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think I think that that sums that sums us up. I guess might as yeah, well pack pretty, up the show.
0: <laughs> pretty dark. Pretty pack up the whole marriage.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you're telling me I married Joe Friday?
1: You're like if Gannon married Friday, especially in the start of our relationship.
0: Oh, because you were more. Uh...
1: I was like very uptight.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean, and I still am. And I pride myself on it. <laughs> There's a lot of things I don't approve of.
0: <laughs> yes, and you make those clear on an hourly <laughs> basis.
1: And you're like Ganon just like coming in with all these dumb non-sequiturs <laughs> and not making any sense.
0: <laughs> At one point in the episode, Ganon, uh, Ganon says that, all oh, you know, so somebody's stealing uh, the version of Batman is captain lightning
1: and the versus the Martian devils.
0: And so someone is stealing a bunch of captain lightning memorabilia and Gannon is saying, well, you know, Joe, when I was a boy, I was a big fan of captain lightning and I was in the captain lightning fan club. And so I looked it up, uh, Harry Morgan, of course, the mm-hmm. uh, great actor who played uh, Frank Annan, was born in 1915. Shit. Uh, just like
1: Frank Sinatra.
0: Exactly. I'm amazed that you knew that.
1: <laughs> we just talked about it an hour yeah, earlier.
0: Uh, Batman wasn't even created until 1939. Superheroes as a whole didn't come along until the late 30s. So it's like when he's t- saying he was a big fan of the superheroes as a kid. He must have been like in his mid to late 20s when he discovered superheroes. He got his Dakota ring when he was like 27. He's talking about it. all the fun he had with his Dakota
1: ring. <laughs> and he was in his 20s. That's why Friday looked so disgusted. You had a family at that point, Gannon. Why weren't you spending time with them? <laughs> why aren't you playing with your sons? That's really funny.
0: And and, and uh, Friday is like, well, I, I wasn't a fan of the character because, you know, I was, it was before my time or something.
1: Uh, it was just awkward. He's like, you're not that much older than me. I'm mature. I'm not old. That's not like something you would say. I'm not old. I'm just a mature man.
0: <laughs> and uh, Jack Webb was born in 1920.
1: So they're five years apart. Yeah. So weird. And. Gannon starts going on this insane rant about how kids today are confused. Back in my day, when I was 20, apparently, we had <laughs> so heroes, like real proper heroes. We were a proper country then. And all the kids have today is is a nuance and anti-heroes in the film. No wonder they're so confused in taking LSD.
0: And he, and he says, you know what one of these anti-heroes do in a movie? As soon as they get into town, they shoot a dog. What movies is he watching?
1: Snuff films. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you know, the fame, the famous, uh, the famous anti-hero western work about where there's maybe no cowboys with white hats is the Good, the Bad, the Ugly. And, and of that,
0: course, in fairness, Clint Eastwood shooting puppies left and right
1: in that movie. He literally plays with a kitten at one point. You know, no one's shooting dogs in these things. Also, having nuanced cinema is not causing a crime wave. This man, I I love I love this I love I love these weird asides where you're just like, what does this have to do with what we're talking about here?
0: And of course, there are some uh, Dragnet episodes which are entirely weird asides yeah. where they go to visit Ganon's house.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And speaking of dogs, there's a, there's a great Dragnet episode all re- revolving around missing dogs.
1: Jeez, well, we got to watch that at some point. Uh, you know, and and so also, what's ironic is that the guy who's doing the crime in this episode. Thinks a lot like Ganon that, like, all these kind of big macho superheroes who are the obvious good guys and fight the bad guys are the ones I should emulate. So, Ganon gets his in this one. And they get a
0: description of the suspect who's going around stealing the Captain Lightning memorabilia. Can you tell us (laughs) what costume or what what clothes the suspect is wearing?
1: The suspect is wearing, he's wearing a uh, kind of some sort of Tricorn hat, a green cape, a like blue bodysuit with red lettering on it. Uh, he he just is dressed uh, with a bi- the hat has a big plume in it. So, don't know exactly what he was going for, but <laughs> he looks he looks quite foolish, and he's uh he's targeting all these movie theaters and bookstores and stuff. Stealing all the Captain Lightning, and for Gannon as a as a former uh, thirty year old who is a member of the Junior Lightning Light Brigade, <laughs> this will not stand.
0: <laughs> so somebody catches him in the act.
1: Yeah, they don't even catch him. Just some, just some like theater manager like just beats his ass. <laughs>
0: And they bring him down to the station in his ridiculous little outfit.
1: <laughs> and at first he won't he won't end the bit. He just keeps on saying, I'm the Crimson Crusader, and I'm I'm on your side. I'm helping stopping crime by stealing posters.
0: <laughs> and he starts talking about how lonely he is. Okay.
1: This man this man then starts like this episode is just becomes like so sad because he's like Yeah, I was fat as a kid and everyone thought I, you know, made fun of me and beat me up for it and hated me because I was fat and kind of shy and different. And then my, you know, my dad left when I was like one years old. I don't even remember him. Apparently he didn't like me that much. And it's just been me and my mom and we're on social, you know, we're on, you know, the, the, you know, the welfare for a while and it's just been a pretty rough life. And the only time I really feel alive is when I'm watching Captain Lightning fight crime and put things right with the world. And then the second I leave the theater and I'm walking home, I just feel like a coldness because I don't feel anything. I don't have anything going on. And, and then you and Joe
0: Friday start to tear up.
1: <laughs> Joe Friday is like sitting there tears in his eyes. This kid's sitting here. He's like talking in a kind of, in a kind of a pretty even handed voice but there are tears streaming down his face as he's talking. It's just like this is this is really sad. We were all having a good time just doing a dumb crime thing and now it's like he's just really depressed and hates his life and he he thought the superheroes were his friends and like that's really sad.
0: So you were genuinely unironically yeah. emotionally moved by an episode of Jack Webb's Dragnet the color years.
1: Yeah, I really was. I thought this was sad. I thought the the, the the show shifted then from making fun of him to being kind of sympathetic with him and thinking that, yes, he has some issues he needs to sort out, but he's not a bad person. He's just struggling.
0: In fact, at the very end of the episode, they reveal what happens, the people getting their just desserts. They reveal that this man got two years of probation and got some psychiatric help, and you, and you turned to me a look of relief on your face. And he said, that's good. That, <laughs> that should help him. That's just what he needs.
1: He wasn't trying to hurt anyone. Obviously he was damaging to these businesses, which isn't good, but he was not trying to hurt anyone. And he obviously needed help. If he, if he felt that the only thing that was going well in his life was that he could, you know, cosplay as a superhero by himself to steal stuff. You know, that's just not, it's not a good road to go down and... See, he seemed real to you. He just... Yeah, I was like, I feel bad for this guy. And like, it wasn't because he was a, You know, a, you were saying, is this how people see superhero fans? Because you are a fan of superhero comics. I don't think it's that. I think when people... Uh, when, when there's a... Something... Uh, so, whatever it is that they're really obsessed with and fandom and maybe they lean into it to the point where it's destructive to their own lives. Maybe... You know, maybe we've all been, you know, there to, you know, like you can can empathize with someone going through something like that and like overly relying on one thing to help them out of it. So I was like, hats off to you, (laughs) Crimson Crusader. I hope you get I hope you get help and channel some of your creativity into something else. I thought it was just, I thought it was nice. And I thought it was like, they were, you know, they kind of like lightened up on him then. And it was awful. They went to his room to like, look at all his stolen merchandise. And he's like leaning into a poster and crying. And then he moves his head away from it. And there's tears running down Captain Lightning's face. And I'm like, this is just sad. They really, really went for like the tragic aspect of this. I don't know why, but they did. Yeah, it's like funny. Sometimes they're sympathetic to like there's often so often in the dragnets that I've seen, at least there's a troubled young man at the center and there's troubled young men like blue boy where like they're beyond help because they're arrogant and they won't go to Friday for help and they won't admit anything's wrong. But then this kid, the captain, another color name, the uh, the Crimson Crusader, you know, he kind of admits that, you know, his life's not really working out for him. And so he's he can uh, he can get some help. These are, you know, blue boy, crimson crusader. <laughs> dragnet blue, dragnet red.
0: <laughs> uh, and this this particular script was written by Bert uh, Prelutsky, who went on to write some uh, good episodes of uh, M.A.S.H. Hmm. He wrote uh, vatus uh, Captain Chandler, which is a pretty well-done episode about a soldier who becomes convinced that he's Jesus Christ.
1: Sounds kind of similar people leaning into their delusions uh but yeah i thought it was i thought it was nice what did you think about this one
0: uh as as you uh hinted uh i always it always bothered me because is this how people see me as somebody who reads comic books
1: Someone who dresses up in odd a pathetic uh loser who just has
0: bad uh power fantasies and again The real case is just a guy stealing some memorabilia from a studio. All this stuff about his sad life and prancing around in a little homemade costume and crying in front of a a police officer. That's pure fiction. It's like
1: it was pulled out of your unauthorized biography. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't think... I mean, obviously there's a power fantasy with superhero stuff, but I mean, there is with a lot of popular media, including detective fiction you know police procedurals so I thought it was kind of funny that at least in the beginning of the episode it was sort of a police procedural lecturing superhero stuff like oh you guys just you know think it's think you could just go out and save the world and then that's kind of what they're <laughs> having the cops do <laughs> so that was kind of funny but um, yeah I thought it, I thought it was surprisingly human at the end.
0: So, have you become a Dragnet fan? Oh,
1: I've I've been a Dragnet fan since we started watching Dragnet. That's not a new thing. I'm
0: not sure that's true. I remember when we watched that episode about him hanging out at Ganon's house, you kept on saying, what the hell is this?
1: Because it's, like, surprising, but it's definitely mesmerizing. It's got its own rhythm. It's mesmerizing. I was like, what the hell is this? Because it just felt like almost... Improvisational or like like an experimental episode of TV that they think like, that it should have never seen the light of day <laughs> or like they made it as a joke for the studio bosses or something, but like, I mean, it was it was very memorable.
0: What's your five star final take that covers both of these episodes? Well, I
1: already did my my first one. What was that? I guess that's why they call it the blues. Oh. <laughs> Okay, I have one written down for this one.
0: then why 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 you're pondering? Just just let it out.
1: I would say that this episode uh stole a cheesy poster of my heart. <laughs> and then for for both, uh I'd say that whether it's wrangling with Little Boy Blue or the Crimson Crusader, watching Dragnet is always a colorful experience. Yeah.
0: Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com.
1: You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore and at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram.
0: And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at Mystery to Me Podcast.
1: Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto
0: Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.